0: I'm on the Starship Enterprise macking on Yeoman Ram while Andorian with the disruptors back on Talos 4 or whatever. What do you think all those sparkles and shit are? The transporters are breaking you apart. and down your molecules and bones. They're making a copy. That dude who comes out on the other side, he's not you. He's the color Xerox. So you're telling me every time Kirk went into the transport, he was killing himself? Hmm? So over the whole series, there's like 147 Kirks. At least. Yo, why do you think McCoy never likes to be nowhere? Because he's a doctor, bitch. Look it up, it's science. (laughs) I ever tell you about my Star Trek script? Star Trek script? Yeah, I gotta write it down is all. The Enterprise is five parsecs out of Rigel 12. Nothing's going on, neutral zone is quiet, the crew is bored, so they put on a pie-eating contest. The whole crew's in the galley. They're eating tulberry pies. Tulberry? Tulberries. From Gamma Quadrant. That's Voyager, dude. Okay, blueberries, then. They're eating blueberry pies as fast as the replicator can turn them out. (whats) 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 Finally, it's down to just three. Kirk, Spock, and Chekhov. Okay, Spock always wins these things. How is Spock going to beat Kirk, yo? Spock's like a toothbrush. Look at Kirk. He's got room to spare. Spock has total Vulcan control over his digestion. You want to hear this or not? Yeah, yeah, go. Okay, finally, Kirk. He can't take it anymore. He yorks. Now it's just down to Chekhov and Spock. But Chekhov, you see, he's got a whole fat stack of Quat news writing on there. And he has figured out a way to win. He's got Scotty back in the transporter room locked in on Chekhov's stomach. Every time Chekhov eats a pie, Scotty beams it right out of him. Where's he sending him, the toilet? Space! there's blueberries just floating out there. Frozen because it's in space. And Chekhov is just shoveling him into his mouth. And in spots, like I can't believe this Russian is defeating me. Meanwhile, Scotty's in the transporter room fiddling with levers when Lieutenant O'Hara comes in, and she's got you know her big pointies. And Scotty's fingers are all sweaty. No. Checkoff screams. He sprays blood out of his mouth. Oh. Scotty beamed his guts into space. No way. <laughs>
1: You're you're
2: missing the best part kelly from better call Saul. fun facts how are you
1: i am great i love that scene this
2: is blood money blood money 509 this is the better call Saul podcast from west coast project my name is mike and and i'm here with kelly kelly any fun facts for this one right off the bat
1: well, yeah, this one is actually directed by Brian Cranston, which is always very interesting. Uh, and as we get into uh, kind of the beginning, I've got some, a couple good things. But, yeah, this one should be very interesting, and we are just going full speed with these. I forget how exciting these really get.
2: Blood money, Kelly. Blood money. This mm-hmm. is the one where Walt, we, we see uh, that big graffiti of Heisenberg inside his house. Man, I remember this one just making me kind of depressed, Kelly. It was it was like we're really getting to the end here. If his house has Heisenberg written in it, that's not a good sign.
1: Yes, I remember how confu- – they're always confusing me, but how confusing that was in the beginning, you know, when they have these skateboarders – Uh, which they hired some professional skateboarders to, you know, come in. And they were worried that this pool was too deep in order for them to pull that stunt off. But the owner of the house had to agree, Fran Padilla, to, you know, empty their pool and paint it and put stains in it. And, uh, you know, it's just a crazy scene right off the bat.
2: So even with all that crap around the house, the fence and all the garbage and everything, it was still just being lived in by the people?
1: No, I'm sure they had to move out for that, but they, you know, they have to agree every time they do something with this house, you know, and so to have to, they were afraid they were going to poke a hole in the pool and then have to give them a whole new pool. So these, these owners have been nothing but awesome as far as what they have to do to their house.
2: Yeah, they're probably getting paid for it though, right? They're renting oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sure they're not doing it out of the kindness of their hearts.
2: <laughs> yeah. So this was the 50, 55th episode of 62 in the whole series, and this was the mid-season premiere. We've uh, we split season five and, a half, and this is the first episode of the second half. And Kelly, we've waited eleven months now since Hank sat on the toilet and read that inscription in the in the book. So it's a fl- it's another flash forward, but it's actually a flashback again because we've seen the flash forward already in season uh, five, episode one, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a it's kind of a bit of a mind warp. But Walt walking through that house was was really freaky. I thought.
1: Yeah, it really was.
2: So, yeah, the house is a mess. It's fenced in. Um, And they were all so happy the last time we saw them. They were sitting by the pool talking about how things were looking good and just kind of kidding around, having a nice barbecue. And kids were enjoying each other. And now Walt the Hobo Drifter is going through the house and he retrieves the ricin and sees Carol, the neighbor. Uh, And Carol freaks out.
1: Yeah, you know what's really crazy about that too, and amazing with Breaking Bad is when when he went to go get that rice, and Vince Gilligan and the writers had no idea what they were going to do with it, which is crazy. Um, ne- neither did they know what they're doing with the M80, so they're kind of like painting themselves in a corner, and then they have to force their way, you know, out of it by writing some genius scripts.
2: They work good under pressure.
1: Right. I mean, that's crazy. You think they have it all written out, but apparently that's not the case.
2: They do rely on some old uh, classic television and movie memes, though, that the the Godfather oranges drop out of Carol's bag. Like,
1: exactly. They relied
2: yep. on that with Ted's bashing his neck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because they, you know, what the last episode, when we see the family all happy, you mentioned, you see, you know, they say hi to Carol. They actually filmed Carol the same day. Um, They just moved her over a little bit. So she, you couldn't see the house. Um, So, you know, a lot of that stuff they do for production that I wouldn't even think about.
2: Yeah. We're going to see that pretty soon. Right. The happy Carol, even in this, is it this episode?
1: Uh, No, it was in the one before where when they're oh, no, you're right. Yeah, it's coming up.
2: Yeah, I think it's coming up. Yeah, but this is all very solemn, very solemn opening scene. Mm -hmm. And we've waited almost a year and then we see the opening credits. So we're like, we're like, okay, here we go for the final run here, the final eight. And this is how they started it off.
1: Did you um, have any idea what you, what they were doing with the ricin, what he was retrieving it no for? No
2: idea at all. No he, idea. I didn't know if he was going to take it, if he was going to give it to – I had no idea. Yeah. How about you? Did you have any guesses back then? No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, that's good writing, though, because we really wanted to know. Right. Um, and not having any clue is, I think, brilliant. So back in the present time, Hank is in that bathroom. He's he's really stunned by what he's re- read in that dedication page from the Walt Whitman poetry book. And he just goes back to the pool. And I noticed on the rewatch, Kelly, that as Hank walks back in the pool, we hear Marie saying, you're just the devil or you're the devil, kind of kidding around to Walt.
1: Right. And that is a, an excellent catch. And, you know, he's also got the baby in his hands, like little Mr. Perfect Father, you know, so you've got Hank coming out, finding out this story, or at least his theory. Uh, and, you know, here he's got Walt with Holly looking like the perfect father, perfect sunny day.
2: Yep. And then Hank drives home and has a panic attack. Kelly, did you expect... Okay, it's the end of the end here. It's season, it's season five, second half, beginning of the end. Did you expect a cat and mouse game through, the, through these eight episodes with Walt and Hank? Or what did you expect?
1: Well, I did not think that Walt was going to come back into, you know, the pool area blazing with, you know, accusations. I really did think he would try to get proof first uh, because he is an investigator and a detective. Um, But as far as how it all played out, I I had no clue. None.
2: I think I remember expecting more of a cat and mouse like through several shows of this last eight, not just for the hammer to come down right away like like it seems to. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they get home. Hank gets home and he gets right into it. He pulls the Gail Bedeker file and checks the handwriting and kind of confirms for us. It's a little bit of audience service that that is, in fact, Gail's handwriting. They make that pretty clear. Pretty cool, though. I liked how they did that.
1: Right. Me, too. And
2: then we go to the car wash and Walt and Skylar are pretty cheerfully now just greeting their crew. And Walt wants to step up and buy another car wash. That's what a rich, successful car wash owner would do is multiply his his success, right, and get into another car wash, and just that would help them launder more, even more money.
1: Right, but at this point, he said that he was out, so I think he's thinking like how he could go legit and make Skylar happy um, and go from, I don't know, at least I thought he said he was out. Didn't he tell her he was out?
2: Yeah, but I think they still have the big pile of money. So, you know, they still got to launder money, right?
1: Right, yeah. And then he he just went into business with Lydia, I guess.
2: Yeah, I'm going to ask you about that. Let's get to that. So, But Skylar even buys into the idea. She says, well, I'll think about it. Like, that might not be a bad idea to get a second car wash. Right. Um, So we'll see what happens. There's a lot of interesting interaction between Walt and Skylar at this point. Um, So Lydia shows up. And she's at the car wash. She wants, to, she wants to talk to Walt, but she doesn't want the water spot special. She just wants to talk. Um, apparently, Kelly, the meth is now only 68%, and that's unacceptable to her customers. Uh, Kelly, did you know, Do you, did you remember, or can you think back, did you know who was cooking the meth at this point when you first watched this the first time you saw it?
1: Well, I thought it was Todd, only because um, he can't seem to get his numbers up. But I think we learned that later. But he said, Walt says, I left you with a viable business. The rest is kind of up to you. So it, this is what tipped me off to think that he was kind of out at this point.
2: Yeah, Walt's definitely out. I had to go back and check my facts on this, too, because it's hard to remember all this. Mm-hmm. But I, I was trying to remember what I thought at the time. But... um uh, Lydia wants Walt to give whoever this mystery person is a tutorial, and we're, we're going to find out who it is as we go through the episode. But I thought it was interesting at this point, Kelly, that Lydia, how badly she craves privacy and secrecy, here she is barging right up into the car wash and just like blathering on about what she needs without worrying about who she might be seen or who might see Walt talking to her. She doesn't care about other people's privacy. She just cares about her own.
1: I think she thinks her Jackie Onassis glasses make her invisible.
2: (laughs) Uh, Maybe.
1: those huge sunglasses. Yeah, I guess maybe she just couldn't get a hold of him or whatever. But, you know, driving a rental car into the place and talking to the wife, you know, Skylar, which, you know, I wanted to applaud her on this. You know, she's like a bull protecting her I I don't know but she came flying out there and was like you know you need to step off and get out of here and don't ever come back
2: yeah it was interesting to me how directly she goes right up to Lydia and tells her to stay away and don't ever come here like you said and she was really protective the the women start to become really protective in this series like Marie's with Hank and Skylar with Walt I really um noticed that on the rewatch
1: yeah, because Skylar or uh, Walt says to Skylar, hey, you know, she's just a business associate. She's trying to get me to come back, but I'm not going to. And you can see Skylar just go right out there. And you haven't seen Skylar really go up against any of his business associates. Uh, and I was kind of like, go Skylar!" you know, because she's a threat, this woman coming around trying to get him back in the business.
2: Yeah, she was fearless. That was cool. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: So Hank's staying at home now, he's investigating all the old clues, Gus and the old blue sky meth. He's cracking open all the old boxes, Heisenberg and all that. And we see kind of a cool montage of Hank rebuilding the case. And it was like a it was like a memory of uh it was like a memory reel of all the old faces and murders of everybody. Right. And then we hear uh, Skinny Pete and Badger do that Star Wars dis- dissertation that we that we kind of heard at the opening of our episode on the podcast. Um, our podcast is for Better Call Saul. We're finishing up Breaking Bad. It will be in Better Call Saul in just over a week, a week and a half. It's coming up really quick, huh, Kelly?
1: It is. Yes,
2: yeah, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, we'll have different. We'll have a spoiler section, and we'll have some different parts of that show. We're just we're just working our way to catch up at this point. But um, that that was a funny scene. Badger has a Scar- has a Star Trek script. All he has to do is write it down. You now that's like saying I have the great American novel, but all I have to do is write it down.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because actually Vince Gilligan made it. Uh, Kelly Dixon, the person, the editor, he said absolutely put that in there because it's kind of an ode to writers, uh, and he really wanted that line. Um, And I know, I was figuring you would probably ask, like, do you think any of these writers are Trekkies? And, you know, undoubtedly they are Trekkies uh, to get that whole, you know, the pie-eating contest and all that in there. Um, But Vince threw that in there primarily because he didn't think that it was comical enough. You know, there's been some really tough issues. And Breaking Bad, it can be funny. Uh, So he figured putting that in there might lighten it up a little bit.
2: It seems like the darker... an episode is the also the funnier it is like reaches out to both extremes
1: exactly yeah
2: so jesse's over at saul's now and business looks really slow at saul's Hugh and francesca are just making the day go by just killing time um and jesse's not getting any service so he lights up a joint (laughs) and that gets saul to finally respond but we did you notice what was keeping saul from responding kelly um no. He was getting a massage
1: oh, by, was he? by
2: some Asian chick and she says as he lets uh, Jesse into the office with the constitution on the wall, the Asian chick says, "Hey, your barn door's still open." So you know <laughs> what that massage was.
1: A <laughs> <That> happy ending. <laughs> so uh
2: uh Jesse means business. He's given away money to uh Kylie Ermentrout, Kaylee Kylie Trout and Mr. and Mrs. Albert Sharp, so Drew Sharp's parents. So we did remember that correctly. Jesse's trying to just give away his money to places where he thinks it'll be useful. Um, and he feels bad about having this money. It's $2.5 million he wants to give to each of them.
1: Right. I like how Saul says, uh, I like this. Um, he says, what are you, two miracles short of a saint? Because he's like, I can understand you giving it away to Andrea, kind of, sort of, but these two You've lost your mind, you know, and Jesse's like, well, screw you then. I'll just do it myself. And Saul, being the money-grubbing guy that he is, is like, no, 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 no. I'll do it. I'll do it. I live to serve, which I'd like to see how many times he said that in the series.
2: Yeah. Did, did you remember, Kelly, where we had left Jesse before all this? Again, it was almost a year before you, you kind of— You kind of uh, shotgun them all together, but I had to wait a year. I had to go back and remember, and like, okay, now where was Jesse? Was he happy? Was he sad? Depressed? Um, Did you remember it when you watched this again?
1: Uh, I I remembered that uh, him and Walt were having some sort of kind of they were uh, recollecting about the RV and stuff, and they gave him the money. But that's as far as I remembered.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. It was right after he dropped the two bags at the door and Jesse had the gun in his waistband. And Jesse yeah. was a little worried. But it looked like it looked like their accounts were settled. And it seemed like Jesse was caught up and everything was going to be good. But he's not good. He's not anywhere near good. Uh, so Saul calls Walt about the money. And we see Walt's in a chemo session. And he just tells Saul he's going to handle it. Um, things look pretty grim for Walt here. Um, Kelly, I don't know if there's going to be any more ups on our roller coaster.
1: I don't know. And it's funny because he's there. He's actually sitting in Q studios where they, you know, where Albuquerque, where the breaking bad is, you never know that. But yeah, he, but you know, he's always like, it's funny because either Saul's taking care of something for Walt or Walt's taking care of something that Saul's freaking out about, but he's real calm.
2: Walt is, you mean?
1: Walt is yeah. It's like I'll handle it. I'll take care of it.
2: Yeah, he seems pretty. Maybe having discovered this cancer's back, is he's just kind of put his mind, you know, back in on track, and it's it's better for him than finding out that he's on, in remission or, or cured. He's like more more settled once he knows he doesn't have much time left. Mm-hmm. So Walt shows up again at Jesse's deja vu with the two bags of money. It was just like the last time. Um, And then we hear Jesse call it what it is. It's blood money. Uh, Jesse knows about the guys getting hit in prison and Walt tries to argue that they should look forward and live the good life. Even though we know he's got cancer again, he's kind of putting a good sunny face on it. This is just more acting by Walt though, don't you think?
1: Well, I think that he's accepted that Jesse's not coming back and he can see that Jesse wants to give away all this money and he's so depressed. So, yeah, Walt's trying to figure out a way to make it not look so bad. But one of the most beautiful shots is when they're both sitting there on his makeshift kind of futon and they have this big ominous bag of money sitting between the two of them. Uh, It's kind of a symbolic uh, view of kind of like what they've what's torn the two apart.
2: Yeah, they really make money look pretty evil. It's uh it was like evil when Skylar had taken care of it in the in the storage shed like it was I think we called it some sort of monster, you know, she had to keep the monster at bay. And mm-hmm. We'll see Walt wrestle with it with the barrels pretty soon. But yeah, that money doesn't look very appealing for some reason.
1: And Jesse, if you look back like when he wore the, you know, B-boy, homeboy sweatshirts and stuff, he looks much older if you think about back when he first met him
2: he looks older now you mean Mm -hmm. yeah
1: tired he's got you know more of the he doesn't have the jovial like you know yo mr white anymore he's just drained
2: yeah and Walt says i need you to believe me about three different times i try to count them i think i counted three different times he says those words i just need you to believe me um, Walt's denying all the knowledge of Mike's death and, but Jesse's onto him. Jesse knows Jesse's smart. He's too smart for this bullshit. Um, yeah. and then later at home, Walt's sick from the chemo. Um, and he notices the Walt Whitman book missing. He was, must've been pretty tuned into that book, Kelly. How, you know, would you look through your stack of stuff every time you use your bathroom to see what's there and what's not there?
1: Well, you know, the cancer brought, him back to the realization because he, you know, why else would you be facing the back of your toilet? You know, and, uh, has, has Skylar informed him yet, uh, that, that, um, <laughs> Hank has been sick a lot and they're not going bowling and all that because, you know, when he was throwing up and he looked in the back, he noticed that book was missing.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't okay. think he'd, he'd, I don't think he knows that yet. Did, do you think he read that book every day?
1: I don't. I don't know. It's not. Maybe he read it, but I think when he was just, he just whatever reason he was puking back there, and he grabbed his medication, and he just noticed it wasn't there.
2: Yeah, he was facing backwards. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. He keeps looking for it though. Um, and Kelly, he's hiding the cancer from Skylar and Junior, right? They don't know about the cancer and the chemo being back, do they?
1: No, because he excused himself from the table, and you could see Skylar kind of watching him, like she was sort of figuring, like, wait, what is going on here? She could tell he was looking peaked.
2: So when they talk, so now they start to talk at dinner, and this, I think, this is where it dawns on Walt that all this might be connected with Hank, because Skylar starts to talk here about Hank being away from work, and this keeps Walt up in the middle of the night. And even goes out and looks at his car for the GPS and finds that GPS tracker. Um I think this is what tells him that Hank's on to him again.
1: Yes. Yeah. I he something was eating at him and for whatever reason he he looked because remember, yeah, I I mean Hank did it to Gus. So why wouldn't Hank do it to Walt if he's suspecting him? So, so now ca- we
2: know he's screwed. Do you think the expression cause they show Walt's expression when he finds that GPS tracker, he's like, holy shit. Do you think that was equal to Hanks' expression of finding the holy shit with the Walt Whitman book?
1: I would say that would be a really good comparison between the two of them. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're about to face off, and that—that that was a pretty good bookend, I think, to that. Maybe Hanks was a little bit, a little bit more shocking, but um, Jesse's about to try to give away his money again. He's really determined. Um, he's just asleep at the doghouse little dog hot dog restaurant he gives a homeless guy looks like five or ten thousand dollars and then he just starts driving around and tossing it in people's yards and the sewer grates everywhere
1: well i couldn't have tossed one in my yard yeah really (laughs) come on
2: (laughs) did you go to that dog house when you were in albuquerque
1: i sure did i went there and, and enjoyed a hot dog and luckily we got there early before the you know the weekend crowd and And very small inside, and just you can get a pretty good hot dog. Nice place. Any mad
2: stack of cash lying around the parking lot?
1: No. I mean, a lot of these places, Albuquerque, some people did get upset with Breaking Bad, making it look bad. And I did expect for Wendy to be there and, you know, all these people selling drugs. And it's a very normal place.
2: Yeah, Um, I'm sure. I'm kind of kidding. But, yeah, it looks like a fun place. Yeah, so um, back at Hank's house, the agents are asking about his welfare. So that I guess they can report back to Gomi and just tell Gomey how Hank's doing. And Walt shows up. And this is the showdown now between Walt and Hank. This is a pretty huge moment in the series, Kelly. This is where we learn there's not going to be a cat and mouse because they get right to it. It only took this one episode, which was kind of surprising to me. But I like—I really liked it. I liked the way they didn't mess around. Uh, Walt-
1: yep. I like that too. I wasn't expecting them to just go right for the jugular like this. It was interesting and unexpected. They did play a tiny
2: bit of cat and mouse. Walt and Hank kind of measure each other in the garage. Um, I think Hank would have played some cat and mouse if if Walt hadn't prompted it. But Walt gets right to it. He triggers this question about the tracking device. He triggers. Hank uh, closes the door, and you know we get to the, it was you. <laughs> It was you, and then the tread lightly, which was a very, very cool way to end this this uh, show.
1: Well, yeah, because when you know when Walt and him are in the garage, and Dean Norris shoves um, Walt up against the garage door, it was unscripted. But the thing is, between the two of them, is you think back about his fight with Jesse; it was like an anger fight. But when he's fighting with Walt, it's more like a betrayal, like he's in physical pain when he grabs him, you know, by his lapel, he's shaking, you know, I mean, and then you've got Walt trying to say, well, hey, my cancer's back and play that card like you don't need to go any further with this. You know, I'm going to be dead soon and trying to get, you know, work on on Hank's emotion.
2: Yeah, Walt is kind of admitting it all at this point, it's like almost putting himself at Hank's mercy. Mm-hmm. But um, God, I just remember thinking, "Holy shit! What's next? If it's not going to be cat and mouse, what is going to be next?" There's seven more episodes.
1: Right, I do that too. Like, what's going to happen? And and I guess when they when he was grabbing him, uh, Vince Gilligan said again, "You know, The Godfather Part Two, where Pacino grabs Fredo.
2: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And he does. And he does say it was you to Fredo, too. Uh-huh. That's awesome. That's a great yeah. catch. Uh huh yeah wow cool very cool so lots of godfather nods in this one
1: definitely
2: so that was it for 509 blood money and that's it for this episode did you have any news for better call saul kelly we should start talking about better call saul more any news just for the february 8th premiere or any other news about that particular show
1: well you know this is such a spoiler i I won't even say it, but, you know, there are there are reports on how it begins, uh, which is absolutely crazy. I mean, I can, I can say it if we want to, um, but, you know, Better Call Saul is full of... Well, first of all, it's going to be an hour, um, more of a, a drama. It was going to be more of a comedy, but we're going to see something uh, in the beginning that will kind of explain... The end. Actually, that one's Breaking Bad Fun Facts on Facebook, and then uh, a lot of interesting stuff on Better Call Saul Fun Facts on Instagram. But for all the articles and stuff, uh, that would be the Breaking Bad Fun Facts. Actually, I want to say one more thing as you look at the credits, um, there is a, a dedication, and this is important because his name's Kevin Cordasco, and he's a young 16 year old boy that had cancer that they met through Make a Wish Foundation. And they asked him, uh, you know, what he wanted to see in Breaking Bad. And if he hadn't mentioned what he mentioned, then we wouldn't have had the whole Gretchen and Elliot thing uh, at the end. Is this
2: the uh-huh. kid that Gilligan asked if he wanted him to tell him the ending just in case he would pass away before he could see it?
1: That's correct. Yep. And,
2: and he didn't want to know? He didn't see it?
1: Yeah, he said, you know, I'll tell you, which is, that's some trust. But he said, I'll tell you the end. He didn't actually know the end. Completely, but he had an idea. Uh, But the boy said, no, I'm going to watch it, and unfortunately he didn't make it. Uh, But he he changed the whole ending of the show by by mentioning that he wanted to know more about Gretchen and Elliot because he said that uh, he felt they didn't discuss them enough.
2: Well, you know Um, what? Somehow that's more perfect than having Gilligan had told him and he knew and then he died before he could see it. That's almost the perfect way for it to have happened.
1: Yeah, so if you see at the very end, it says dedicated to Kevin Cordasco, that's who that is and why.
2: Okay. Well, we'll, I'll see you next time on Buried.
1: All right, sounds good.